When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Luke Turner. Welcome to Why, the podcast that asks the big questions from the frontiers of knowledge, from the abyss of space to the mysteries of our own brains. If I look back over my life, I realise that a lot of decisions I've made, be they to do with relationships, work, friendships or housing, have been massive gambles. I'm pretty sure that the radical changes I made were the right ones. But what if there's another me, somewhere out there in a parallel universe, living an entirely different life? Conceived by cosmologists and quantum theorists, this is known as multiverse theory. The idea is arguably as old as philosophy itself, put forward by ancient Greek thinkers and causing endless debate among physicists in our modern era. There are countless theories, none of which have been proven, but one of the most popular is the cosmological inflating multiverse in which ours is but one universe among billions, each going through cycles of Big Bang after 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 Big Bang to Big Bang. And no scenario, no matter how bizarre, is ruled out. Where science debates, Hollywood fills the gaps, and multiverse theory has driven the plots of films like Doctor Strange, The Avengers, and the multi-Oscar winning everything everywhere all at once. So is it too wild to think about the existence of other realities, where I'm living out those alternative choices and experiences in a body and a world that may have evolved in a different direction, is there another me in a parallel universe? If you believe this many-word interpretation, then every time there's a quantum event, a quantum jump, our universe splits into many, many parallel universes. So there are infinitely many copies of you which live out your life in every possible way. Dr. Sabina Hossenfelder is a theoretical physicist and author and, who knows, perhaps an opera singer in a parallel universe. There are various mathematical approaches to the multiverse, but you can't experimentally test it. And so now there are a lot of physicists who think that if you have the math, it's real. Let's start by defining what a multiverse is. A multiverse is actually not so difficult to explain. It's a collection of universes. So there isn't just our own universe, but some others. It gets more difficult if you ask exactly how they're different, because they're different versions of the multiverse. Some of those universes are very similar to our own, but others have completely different laws of nature. Right. OK, that's great. I'm very relieved we had an easy explanation to that. When did people start putting science into it? 
I've read it sort of philosophically in ancient Greece, they were discussing the idea of the multiverse and, and parallel universes. When did science get involved and start trying to, I guess, prove it with mathematics and equations? I don't know. I'm not a historian. What I can tell you is that there are several different versions of the multiverse that physicists are talking about. And I think I'm just guessing, but the oldest one is probably the one coming out of quantum mechanics, which is called the many worlds interpretation. Sometimes it's also called Everett's interpretation. There's a multiverse of multiverse theories, and this is probably <laughs> the oldest one. But I think it really took off to so this has been like a really obscure area of the foundations of physics, which is already an obscure area. So an obscure part of an obscure part. But it was sometime in the 1990s, I think, when string theorists got onto the topic and they were saying, you know, it came out of our theory. We also have a multiverse and you can combine it with this quantum mechanics multiverse. And I think this is when the topic started to attract much more attention. It's interesting, quantum comes up as a word. What, for our listeners, does quantum mean in scientific terms? Well, so originally people used the word to mean a, a small chunk of something. I'm not very good with Latin and Greek and stuff, but I think this is where the word originally came from. It's a small chunk of something. But nowadays it just refers to everything that has properties that are specific to quantum mechanics that would be, for example, it can be in two places at the same time. This is a typical example. Or it might obey Heisenberg's uncertainty relation, stuff like you can't measure the position and velocity of a particle accurately at the same time. So this is what the word quantum refers to nowadays. So is it quite divisive then? Are there some scientists who are doing a lot of work to sort of prove it's correct and there's other people more sceptical? Is it caused quite a lot of debate in your community? Yes, debate is the right word. One thing that I always have to explain people, so let me try to get this across politely, there are actually very few people working on it. Right. But those few people who work on it cling to it very strongly. And this is why there's so much controversy around it, because, you know, it attracts a lot of public attention. Uh, people who work in the foundations, they don't feel very well represented by this very speculative approach to making sense of our reality, I guess. It's interesting you use the phrase cling to it there, because one thing that struck me when I was researching was that if something only can exist perhaps through a few scientists doing a few equations and some experimentation that's perhaps not got a consensus behind it, is there almost a form of faith to this? Is it almost like a religious belief in some ways? I would agree, yes. In some ways, that's the case. But I think that the people who work on it don't see it that way. And also, I think that's not the direction from which they're coming at it. I think the reason why they cling to it is more a philosophical confusion. What's happening is that they have this mathematics, as you already said, you know, they write down some theory and there might be quantum mechanics or string theory. And there's another version which has something to do with inflation. So this exponential expansion of the universe. So there are various mathematical approaches to the multiverse. And they seem to contain those other universes, but you can't experimentally test it. Right, that's very interesting. So would one of them be the, the, the cosmological inflating multiverse theory? Is that one of the key ones that people are 
sort of rooting for with their equations, if you can do that with an equation? Yes, I think that might be the most popular one. So the idea is that our universe was created from a quantum fluctuation. So in the very early universe, there wasn't any of the matter that we have now. There was just a a strange field, which is called the inflaton field, and it had those quantum fluctuations. And some of them become real, so to speak, and they start expanding very, very rapidly. And that's what we call inflation, this rapid expansion. But it ends at some point and then the field decays into the normal matter that's around us, plus this stuff that we call dark matter, which we don't really know what it is. This is how the theory says that our universe came about. So far, so good, you might say. But now the thing is that there isn't only this one quantum fluctuation, there are infinitely many of them. And so now they say, well, if you believe the stuff about our universe, that it came out of one of those fluctuations, what about all the other ones? They must all have made universes. And so this is how the inflationary multiverse comes about. How are they using science to try and prove this? I mean, there are very specific versions of the multiverse that you can in principle test. For example, if several of those multiverses would have collided in our past, then the second universe could have left an imprint in the cosmic microwave background. People have looked for it and they haven't found it. This is a particular example where it might have been possible to test it, but they've tested it and they've ruled it out. (laughs) I think there is one other example where they've looked for entanglements, so quantum correlations between our universe and another one, and they also haven't found it. But for the most part, those multiverses are completely causally disconnected from ours, which means there's no observation you can do, like not even in principle, that would tell you it actually exists. At which point it becomes very, very difficult to say what it actually means for something to exist. I was wondering if, you know, the idea we get of a multiverse or parallel universe, maybe from science fiction or like kind of what you're saying, our idealized view of it is that there might be another us living somewhere else doing the things that we never quite managed. Do these scientists think that that's what a multiverse could be? Or is that purely put onto it by uh, science fiction? No, that's one of the multiverses you get. A simpler way to see it is that the exact way that our planet came about and how life on it evolved and exactly how it looks like with you in particular walking around on this planet today, all goes back to the initial condition in the early universe, plus those quantum fluctuations on top of it and stuff. But if the universe is really infinitely large, then all those possible initial conditions will repeat infinitely off. Infinity is a really weird thing. So there's every possible iteration of the configuration of the particles in the universe happens somewhere, which means that every possible version of you would exist somewhere in this infinitely large universe. So we are a long way from proving multiverses exist, if we ever can. But let's be honest here, this is not a simple yes or no question. 
there are motivations, desires, and ethical and philosophical perspectives to consider. To my mind, all these parallel existences suggest an idea of predestination, that everything that can happen is happening. It's almost like it's too easy, absolving us of responsibility for our actions in our tiny, tiny corner of the universe. I think you're right that there is a philosophical problem, but the biggest problem is that the physicists who work on this don't think about the philosophy. <laughs> you know, they're just looking at their mathematics and they don't think about the philosophy that they pour into it when they assume that it's actually real. So when it comes to this question of moral responsibility, you have to be very, very careful with thinking about what all those probabilities mean in the multiverse. Now, personally, I don't worry terrible lot about it because it might well be that there are infinitely many copies of me, but I don't know anything about them. I still have to live in this universe. So that's what I'm concerned with. So I don't really know what difference it makes for your actions in this universe, that there are other copies of you somewhere out there. So, you know, personally, I guess I don't really see the difference. Who funds the research? Is it sort of academic institutions? Are there sort of individuals who are really interested in it and then put money in? How does the funding happen? That's very strongly country dependent because some countries have more, others have less private institution or philanthropic donors. For example, in Germany, you basically don't have any big philanthropic organization, basically doesn't exist. There are some smaller ones which give out, you know, small grants for travel and conferences and stuff. But in the United States, it's very common. They have some pretty big philanthropic organizations. But it works pretty much the same as with all other grants that you might apply for. You know, you write what you want to do. You have to come up with some good way of explaining for why it's interesting. And then you get the money. As I said, there aren't a lot of people who work on multiverses. So you can't claim that there's a lot of money going into this. I'm guessing it's probably most active in quantum foundations because there's a lot of interest now going into quantum everything. Basically, you know, every country has a quantum initiative. They put money into quantum computing and quantum sensing and quantum cryptography. So quantum everything is cool at the moment. And thinking about the interpretation of the whole mathematics is becoming more interesting again, which was, you know, for decades, you know, ever since the 1950s or something, physicists had this shut up and calculate attitude. But now it's becoming okay again. It's very interesting, by the way, because I've seen the tide change while, you know, I've academically grown up. It's very, very different now than when I was a student 20 years ago. When I was a student, it was fully shut up and calculate. It was like, we don't talk about the interpretation. Here's the maths. There's been a lot of talk about how to interpret the thing, but we'll not go there. Only thing you need to know is how to calculate the measurement outcomes. And now this has much changed among the young people. First of all, they're interested in it, and they're also being encouraged to think about it. You know, it goes around in a circle. You know, you have more people who think about it. There'll be more people applying for grants. It creates more interest. It gets more citations, and it's easier to get grants for it. And I think the driving factor is really the experiment. And certainly, 
the Nobel Prize in physics last year helped get this across. You know, all this talk about Bell's inequality and so on was based on trying to understand what quantum mechanics tells us about reality. And look what came out of this. You know, it might have started out as philosophy, but it didn't stay there. And so I think a lot of people got the message. And the other area where people are working on multiverse stuff is, as I already said, they're trying to figure out what's with those constants that we have. It alludes to this big question of if there's a theory of everything, will we ever be able to explain it all? Will we ever be able to, you know, calculate the mass of the electron or some other of those questions? I was wondering, why do you think there's been that change from when you were a student to now? What's been the kind of cultural and societal influences that have brought that about? I really think it's been driven by the technological development. You just have so many more people who are now, they're in the laboratory, you know, they're working with their stuff, they're doing the experiments, you know, they have single photon detectors. It's really crazy. It's so amazing. You know, they have quantum computers. We have real quantum computers. (laughs) This brings up all those questions again, like, what do I actually mean by making a measurement? Exactly when does the measurement happen? And this is something that quantum Quantum mechanics just can't tell us. There's this big unknown that how does measurement happen in quantum mechanics? And I think we're just experimentally getting there. So there are just more people who are constantly faced with the question of how do I make sense of this? Like what's actually going on if I pipe this photon through a beam splitter? Does it actually split into two? Like, can one particle split into two? What sense does this make? And so I think it's just this hands-on experience that has brought those questions back into fashion. Is there something about it then that makes, it's almost like a bridge between academia and I guess science fiction is probably where most people are aware of the multiverse theory. Is there something about it, do you think, that has this appeal that has led it to cross over from science into popular imagination? Well, I would guess it's the inspirational aspect. You can project all your fantasies into one of these universes. <laughs> so there's always a universe in which you did whatever you wanted to do. You know, you became an opera singer or you won a Nobel Prize or what have you. Do you think it's in some ways it allows us to escape our everyday reality? Yeah, with this little bit of, you know, scientific backup, basically, you know, where you can say, but, you know, serious scientists are actually talking about this. So it's not just if you read a story about vampires or something, you know, it's just pure fantasy. But because multiverses are being talked about in physics, which used to be a serious field, (laughs) I think people enjoy it more. So if we're thinking that maybe the multiverse is a pseudoscience, is this research useful in any way, in a more tangible, practical way? Yeah, I think so, because at least I think it'll ultimately be useful in a practical way. Is it particularly obvious if you're looking at quantum mechanics, since we were already talking about this? It's just a different way to think about the same mathematics. And it's often the case that a different way of thinking about something you've bitten your teeth out on for a long time can help you make progress. People have made progress on this for a long time. And looking at it from this many words perspective might unlock some progress. The same might happen in cosmology. You know, maybe it ultimately 
won't make sense to think about, you know, this inflationary idea with the quantum fluctuations, whatever, but they still might find a way to calculate the mass of the electron just by thinking about it in a completely different way. I'm Ros Taylor with news of Oh God, What Now?, the politics podcast that's never going to leave its voter ID at home. On Friday's show, it's six months until the US election and Donald Trump is stuck sitting on trial in a New York courthouse. Is he bulletproof or can Joe Biden turn around the polls? In the second half, it's local elections week, but we've steadily taken power away from local authorities. What if we gave it back? And in the extra bit for supporters, is there a right level of ruthlessness in politics? That's Oh God, What Now? with me, Ros Taylor, Raphael Baer, Hannah Fern, guest Nikki McCann-Ramirez, out now, wherever you get your podcasts. So while the multiverse can't currently be proven, it does raise fascinating philosophical questions and opens up exciting new areas of research and thinking in quantum physics and beyond. And as always in science, debate and disagreement is a healthy and vital part of the process. So that's it from us today on Why. Thank you to Dr. Sabina Hossenfelder. Thank you for having me. We'll be back with more scientific anomalies, conundrums and weird facts soon. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you don't miss an edition and follow us on social media too. Links are in the show notes. I've been Luke Turner asking, why? See you next time. Why was written and presented by Luke Turner. The lead producer was Anne-Marie Luff and the audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis, and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. Artwork is by James Parrott. Theme music is by DJ Food. Why is a Podmasters production.